Welcome to a podcast dedicated to your mental health. Hi, I'm Bailey with the Recording Library of West Texas. Hi, I'm Christy Edwards. I'm the Executive Director and a therapist at Centers for Children and Families. Hi, I'm Melanie Size. I'm the Marketing and Development Director at Centers for Children and Families. Together, we're bringing you tips and tricks on how to navigate this thing called life. This is Center Solutions. <laughs> Due to the nature of some of the topics that are discussed, listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, you guys. Thanks for having us. So we have a, a pretty interesting topic today. We're going to title this, When My No Didn't Matter. Um, Christy, can you tell us a little bit more about what we're going to talk about today? Sure. Over the course of the, a couple of years in my practice, I've found there's it's becoming more and more prevalent that young women are dealing with sexual harassment, sexual assault, sexual abuse. People are not knowing what to do with that. So they're saying, they're questioning, is this what it is? So they don't know what the definition is. They don't know how to report it. They don't know, you know, what was my part in it. And so, you know, it's just a really timely thing that I think that we talk about. Nobody wants to talk about it, but we've got to talk about it. Right. It's important. It's important. Melanie, can you define for us what is sexual harassment? In terms of employment, the United States Equal Employment Opportunity Commission defines it, defines sexual harassment as unwelcome sexual advances, requests for sexual favors, and other verbal or physical conduct of a sexual nature. This constitutes sexual harassment when the conduct explicitly or implicitly affects an individual's employment, unreasonably interferes with an individual's work performance, or creates an intimidating, hostile, or offensive work environment. And this really does translate to other areas of life. This could be a child in school, someone at college. This can just be unwanted advances in just any any time. And that definition has a lot of words and can be very broad. Christy, I think that you have a story, which is a segue to the title of this episode. Can you tell us, go ahead and tell us your story and so we can better understand what is sexual harassment and how do we deal with sexual harassment? Okay. Um, as I said earlier, over the past couple of years, we've seen kind of an increase in the number of young, I mean, and I said young ladies, this is also some young men are coming in, um, experience some of these same things. This just happened to be a really kind of scary situation for a young woman who did eventually handle it very well. But um, the title is are her exact words. And she said, when my no did not matter, what had happened was um, she had gone on a date with, with a young man that she was friendly with and felt like, you know, that he was a safe person. But kind of through the night, he kept implying that there was going to be something that was going to be occurring later on. And she was like, no, that's not going to happen. Felt like it was kind of a teasing situation. Anyway, she got kind of uncomfortable and said, you know, I think I'm just going to go home with somebody else. And he started laughing and said, hey, it's going to be okay. I'm just, just messing with you. So we'll go to, you know, Whataburger, Roses, I can't remember where, uh, to meet your friends. So she said, okay, everything's cool. Told her friend, everything's cool. Um, we're going, I'm going to go ahead and go with him. Anyway, she got in the car and he took her somewhere and would not let her out of the car. And she kept asking him where they were going. And he was just like, oh, relax. We're just going to go talk. We're going to have a good time. Then we're going to join up with everybody. Anyway, whenever they got there, he started being very aggressive with her. And she kept saying, no, you know, cut it out. You know, you said we weren't going to do this. You said you weren't going to pressure me. And he just kind of kept pressuring her. And she finally was trying to get away from him, and her, he grabbed her foot and drug her under him and then started 
to forcibly try to make her do some things that she did not want to do. Luckily for her, she was a pretty feisty young lady and was able to, you know, kind of physically get away from him. And he kind of got the message at that point. But, you know, whenever she came in my office, it was, she was still very shaken by it because it was so close to going, crossing the line and to the point where she had to get very physical that she felt like she was really fighting to prevent a sexual assault occurring. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what we're having to work with is, you know, all of her life, she told her that had been told that she has permission to say no at any time she wants to and that people would respect that. And she's run against something that's counter to that. So kind of a scary situation for her. Definitely scary. When someone comes to you, for example, who feels they have been a victim of sexual harassment, Mm -hmm. what is their demeanor? How do they take us through an office situation when they first come in? Okay. Uh, You know, when they first come in, they want to know, what did I do wrong? You know, so there, there's that guilt that's like, you know, I caused it to happen. And I think sometimes, and once again, I'm not trying to be sexist about this. I think sometimes girls say, you know, did I cause this? Was there something that, you know, led this person to believe that I was eventually going to give in to this? You know, did I, you know, whatever it was. So there's a, there's a lot of guilt. And then there, you know, you kind of in steps, it's like, then it's the fear of what could have happened. And then it's kind of anger that as much happened as it did. And then you kind of just have to work with them to where they don't feel victimized, that they're basically, you know, I survived that one. And what did I learn from that? You don't want anybody to have to have a learning experience. But if they learn from one experience that they got away with, with, you know, fairly unscathed, then that's a that's a good lesson. And harassment can be, especially in the workplace, anything that makes you feel uncomfortable. And I think one of the one of the main signs is that it makes you uncomfortable Mm -hmm. just something that sends those red flags up makes makes you think "Mm, something my gut says this isn't right Uh, maybe someone's complimenting you too much or it just isn't a a professional behavior and puts you in a position that you feel vulnerable well I think we can all think about with the Matt Lauer situation you know or whatever whenever that sexual harassment was going on as Melanie said if it makes you uncomfortable and I think that what we've seen now is a shift because females used to enjoy attention. And now it's like you're almost afraid to enjoy, you know, some teasing or whatever for fear that somebody's going to take that too far. So I, I feel um, I kind of feel sorry for females that you can't enjoy nice attention for fear that somebody's going to misread your enjoyment to mean you want more. Right. And I could see, too, from a male perspective where that could be a challenge also. Yes. Are we becoming more aware of sexual harassment as a society? Well, I think the Me Too movement mm-hmm. has brought that, and, and that is in a good way, because that, I mean, that is protection for males and females. So I don't want anybody to get the impression that we're only male bashing here, because it does go both ways. So um, I, I think it's, we need to know about it. We need to know what our part in it is, you know. Are we being too lax? Are we saying things that are off color in the workplace that could be misconstrued? So once again, it's like bring your professionalism to work every day and save that other, you know, for for the fun times outside of work. Right. Uh, What do you do in the workplace if you feel that you have that gut feeling against a coworker? What are some steps that you can take? Do you go talk to a higher up? Do you talk to a counselor first and they can give you some tips on how to handle that. Kind of tell us some tips on dealing with sexual harassment in the workplace in particular. Okay. I always tell people always you have most everybody has an immediate supervisor. 
So unless the immediate supervisor is the one that is, you know, kind of perpetrating on you, that's that's where you need to start. You need to make somebody aware. You need to be specific about what happened, the dates that it occurred, what was said that made you feel uncomfortable. If your supervisor you know, wants to sweep it under the rug, then I think that you go to that person's supervisor. Once again, you have to trust your gut feeling and say, this is, this stepped way outside the line and I'm no pansy. I know what it feels like. So I'm needing somebody to hear me. And sometimes it's fine that you directly, you know, kind of confront the individual and say, that's just, uh, you crossed a boundary with me and I didn't appreciate it. And let's make sure we don't do it again. It's okay to say that. Oh, absolutely. Yes. yes. Of course, there's also, um, as we all know, a lot of instances of abuse in particular, uh, harassment, they go unreported mm-hmm. because it's it's a tricky situation for the person, the That's victim, person right. experiencing the harassment or abuse. So sometimes it's okay not to do that. I mean, some people choose to leave their job and whatever's best for that individual, I think is best because I'm sure... A lot of people seek counseling, but they don't really seek, uh, they don't necessarily want to be that person that's out there because it's, it's difficult um, to, and it's okay. It's okay to make that decision, whatever's best for the person. Yeah, it definitely can be a, a tricky situation, especially mm-hmm. like say you enjoy your job mm-hmm. and you just keep having this problem and maybe your higher up says something like, well, deal with it yourself in a way. Um, Because it does make people so uncomfortable Mm -hmm. that they don't really know how to dress it and they avoid it. But I think it comes down to how does how is the work environment for you? Yes, Um, I agree. How do you decide when I've I've tried everything um, and it's time to move on? So have you have you had many? clients come to you with that? Like, how do I, how do I move on? What do I do? I think in my experience, it's been when people have tried to follow that chain of command, you know, and felt like that they were, you know, kind of belittled or they're poo-pooed or, you know, what was it? And and what did you do? Or, you know, why did you wear that to work or something? You know, sometimes it's all that let's, let's make it everybody's fault, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and then we'll all be okay. We'll all learn from this and go on. But when I believe whenever you've done everything that you think you can and you wake up in the morning with a sick feeling in your stomach or you dread going to work um, or you find yourself calling in sick more and more often, I think at that point you just have to say, this is damaging to my physical, emotional, um, spiritual, psychological well-being. Mm-hmm. I've got to do something different. So I, and what I'm encouraging is uh, encouraging everyone is, don't accept that you have to deal with that in the workplace. There's somebody that you're going to be able to talk to that's going to try to make a difference for you. But um, and so make sure you make sure you push that, especially if you feel like it's severe enough. Um, you know. But I'm a big fan of directly, you know, confronting somebody and saying you've crossed a boundary. And you have a list here of some examples of harassment. Uh, Melanie, could you give us some examples of what to look for? Sure. Uh, Some of the examples of harassment are uh, when someone makes an overt sexual advance, uh, makes comments that make you uncomfortable. Of course, that whole, the word uncomfortable is very important. There's sexual tension at work that makes you uncomfortable to the point that it affects your job performance. You experience unwanted touching, even if it's passed off by the other person as friendly or normal. Um, If it's not something that you want, then you need to be able to speak 
speak up and let someone know, please don't do that. Someone persistently corners you and forces you into private conversations, uh, maybe standing or sitting too close, eyeing you in ways that feel sexually inappropriate, sexual jokes and and locker room banter. I think uh, some people aren't really aware that sometimes just using foul language and, you know, it's it's just not acceptable, especially at work. Um, And some of this can be a problem for kids in school. Effects of, uh, excuse me, offensive remarks about your gender or sexual orientation. It's just conversations that are not part of the professional environment. Um, or when people comment on your appearance, maybe a little too much, you look pretty, um, and it's not really appropriate. It um, it's on some level, it almost always is based on your own personal temperament, and you can guide through what feels. Icky. <laughs> I like that you use the word temperament. I think that's a great way to judge a situation. Sure. Um, because everyone's different, of course, but you're right. Trust your gut. If you feel like something's wrong, uh, reach out amongst your coworkers too. Maybe other coworkers, you mm-hmm. might can say, you know, is, does this happen with you? I don't know. Am I the only one? What's going on here? Right. I think that might could be beneficial mm-hmm. or could not. Right. I think one um, of the best things is knowing your boundaries. Yes. I think um, <clears throat> all of us as, as humans, we want to be polite. And sometimes we're, we are too polite and we sacrifice our own boundaries and our own needs and self-worth in order to make sure we keep everything copacetic. So, um, yes. And we don't want to hurt other ones, anyone's feelings. That's what. Right. And we all want to avoid confrontation. I mean, by and large, I think probably most of us, I, you can probably speak for that. I know yes. some people are different, but I know that's me. Mm-hmm. And so you try to, you, you want everything to keep uh, calm. Right. So, and sometimes that's to your own detriment. Yes. And then sometimes they'll say, well, exactly, you know, like the, the, at the top of the chain, well, exactly what do you want to see done? Right. You're going, I don't, I don't know. I didn't know that was going to be my choice, but you know, and and then if that was like, well, you know, I don't know. I just thought somebody should know. And they're like, okay, well, we'll document that, you know, because they want to be, oh, that is, you know, they want anybody to lose their job. And, you know, maybe you don't want anybody to lose their job unless it's a chronic issue. But, you know, it is go prepared to say, this is what I'd like to see happen. I would like for us all to be in the room. I'd like for you to say, you know, this has been brought to our attention and it will end today. That's, that's very helpful. And maybe let's talk a little bit too. What if you are the manager, let's Mm -hmm. say, and one of your employees comes to you with a problem? What are some helpful tips for a manager to address that situation? I think as a manager, you always want to, first of all, give credence to someone's complaint. Uh, you know, like, I hear what you, I hear what you're saying, and I understand that how it's making you feel. That sounded very therapisty, didn't it? But anyway. You're supposed you know, to be therapist There we go. I feel better, though. <laughs> I feel better. That's right. So, I, I, you know, you want, to, you want them to understand that you're hearing them and that you're concerned about the situation. So, you know, and then you're going to ask for some specifics. You know, and if they can say, you know, it happened in the break room at the end of the day, we were the last ones leaving, I was cornered or he or she made a, inappropriate things, you know, about my body parts or what I was wearing or, you know, basically touched me in a way that was not, you know. So the more details you can give someone, I think the more credibility comes with your story. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so then the manager can say, thank you. That sounds very specific. That That is helpful. So whenever they talk to the other person, they can say, this was, 
you know, as close to possible as the date and the time. This is this is what they reported was said and done. Um, so uh, keeping record of the incidents, writing mm-hmm. those down mm-hmm. is very helpful for a manager, mm-hmm. for someone maybe in HR yes. um, who has to present that information to someone else or maybe a board. Mm-hmm. So um, if you document every situation, that's going to be beneficial to your story, no matter how minor. Absolutely. Because it, it all can add up and it's easy to forget next week. You could go on was one day last right. week. Right. You know, because, you know, you've moved, kind of moved on from it, but you still wanted to do something. Exactly. And a lot of times people go, I'm going to think about it for a couple of days. And then when they do get right. brave enough, they're like, well, why didn't you tell me before now? Right. That was last week or that was two weeks ago or something like that. The good thing is more and more companies already have a sexual harassment policy mm-hmm. in place. So, I mean, it's just like when your kids are little. If you hit your brother, you know what the consequence mm-hmm. is, right? So um, if you have sexual harassment policies in place and that happens, you can say, here's what it is. Oh, that's a good idea. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen that um, is more common now? It is. That they're in, putting it in bylaws yes, or yes. employee handbooks like, hey, this is a, a very serious subject. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that, actually. I'm so glad as a society, as a culture, that we are becoming more aware of the um how important this is. And it's not something that's just for casual conversation. That's exactly right. Um, and we've been called out, um, centers, some of the therapists have been called out to do some sexual harassment trainings. You know, like, what is it? Mm-hmm. You know, because, I mean, we're in West Texas, a lot of oil field. There's a lot of, you know, people, men and women who talk freely, right. you know, about things. And, and so they just need a reminder. This is a professional workplace, even though, you know, we're in West Texas and we're a little bit freer with our words and our affection. Let's just try to, you know, we need to teach them how to do that yes. and what not to say. It's not that anybody's purposely trying to. Mm-hmm. It just could be misconstrued. It's a so, it's a cultural shift. We talked is. about this quite a bit. Mm-hmm. If uh, my girls and I will watch an old older movie from even ni- the nineteen eighties, mm-hmm. you know, all those great movies that uh, you can look back and they're so much fun to watch. But there are a lot of parts in those movies that my girls are shocked about because mm-hmm. they would not be considered acceptable for humor now but it's because we've had a cultural shift just every decade i think things change and we progress a little more and part of that is just being able to see each other as human beings which Mm -hmm. i think is always excellent that's what we're striving to do agreed and i know you both wanted to talk a little bit about sexual assault what is the difference between sexual harassment and sexual assault um i'll have to say uh the story that Christy talked about earlier is a little bit more on that around that line. It's different than say somebody being at work bothered a little more. Uh Um, Sexual assault refers to sexual behavior that occurs without the clear consent of the victim. According to the rape abuse and incest national network rain, this includes attempted rape, fondling or unwanted sexual touching forcing a victim to perform sexual acts such as oral sex or penetrating the perpetrator's body and penetration of the victim's body, which is rape. And this is all very, very clinical and difficult uh, terminology, mm-hmm. but it is it is very real, and that's what it is definitively. Um, and some of this also, uh, something important to note is this includes manipulation, coercion, threats in situations where a person cannot give consent, uh, we've all seen a lot of reports in the media about this this exact situation when someone feels like they have to do something because they're being told something terrible will happen if they don't. So that's the coercion. Mm-hmm. And and then 
you know, there's a lot of talk around the word consent, Mm -hmm. you know, when is consent consent? And so I looked up the definition uh, as it pertains to sexual assault and it reads, consent is the agreement between participants to engage in sexual activity. So that is, I mean, it's, it's both participants, you know, and so, you know, some of the things that have happened, you know, recently, and I think this might be a whole nother podcast, but, you know, when there's alcohol or drugs involved, you know, and, and somebody assumes that there's consent because somebody consented, but doesn't even know that they consented. Mm -hmm. So age, you have to be of age. You have to be of age of consent. That's right. You have to be of of the age of consent. Thank you, Melanie. That was hard to say. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's a, it's a sticky situation around a lot of things, except, um, the thing that is clear is no means no, mm-hmm. always. If you're in an embrace and you don't want to go forward with a kiss, you don't have to. You can stop right. and say no. And you have some statistics here that are interesting. One in six women and one in 33 men report experiencing an attempted or completed rape in their lifetime. Yes. Do you think that it's harder for men to come forward and seek help or talk about sexual assault or sexual harassment? Oh, I, I would definitely think so. I mean, it's, and that's not even just something that's, you know, a, a cultural thing. I think that that is like a, um, that's a man thing. It is like, how could that have happened to me? Mm-hmm. You know, how did, how did that happen to me? And so I think that they don't know what to call it at first. So I think it's when they seek help and they learn that that was a sexual assault or that was rape, they actually get to put a name to it mm-hmm. and start dealing with it. And I applaud everyone who comes forward to say this happened to me and it can have ramifications long term mm-hmm. you know how do i trust someone you know once again like i was saying earlier it's the guilt feelings about what did i do that invited that in and how am i going to trust someone how am i going to have have a healthy sexual relationship with someone that i love if i have fear going forward oh i didn't even think about that once you get into a consensual relationship or a marriage or something that can be very hard for a victim um to go forward in that sense and a lot of times that's when we find out about people that have had childhood um abuse or um trauma is whenever they are getting into a consensual relationship and they're like i've got these hang ups and it is because i've never shared this with anyone and now i need help so we applaud people who come in right away that way that does not kind of fester and kind of take on a life of its own and then it kind of comes with some irrational thinking and weird beliefs that we have to then go in and kind of help them erase and move forward. And that's a perfect segue into how does sexual harassment and abuse impact mental health? Can you tell us a little bit more about depression, PTSD, um, eating disorders, anxiety? Oh, sure. Um, once again, whenever something like that happens to you and it kind of goes in the mix, that's, and I just say it's in your gut and it's just, it's rolling around in there and you're not knowing what to do with it. And if you're not talking about it, it just festers and festers. And you know, whenever there's something, whenever you don't feel well, you just don't feel like doing anything. So you might lay on the couch more. You're not getting up, going for a walk. You're not taking care of yourself or your family or your pets or things like that. So um, you just kind of lose interest because it's like, this trauma has occurred and you don't know what to do with it. So the PTSD is, so let's just say that you had a sexual assault early on and you never talked about it. And then you're in the workforce and you get cornered by someone that is a re-traumatization. And so we have double the trauma. So it just layers the trauma on. So, and once again, it's just like, if you don't feel good about yourself and you're, you know, there is that guilt, you there's 
the potential for self-harm. Um, there's the potential to just, you know, close off. And so you're not eating to take care of yourself. Um, all, it's just the possibilities of things that could go wrong if you're not brave enough to come forward. And it, it, I keep saying brave and maybe it's not brave. If you're not encouraged, if you're not, if you don't feel tr- that people are going to, that you can trust people. Mm-hmm. So it's not even or if you're brave your, enough. Or that your story is not worthy. It, your story's course, not Yes. Of course it is. Yes. Right? Because Always. anytime uh, this happens to someone, brave is just getting up in the morning. Yes. And just survival. Yes. So please so, forgive me for saying being brave enough. No. And it's uh, going and talking to a counselor. It doesn't necessarily have to be that you go and confront the person or the issue I think it's uh, wonderful when people do that, but not everyone is built the same. Mm -hmm. And there are so many reasons why people keep things secret. I know there are separate cultural reasons. There are some cultures that uh, rape is almost considered your fault. So there, there are all these many facets to what's going on. Being able to go and talk to a counselor is just such an incredible step in healing Mm -hmm. for anyone who's had this experience. And the counselors at centers, the thing is, they're not going to judge you. They're not going to. They're not going to assume anything. You're just going to be welcomed. It, is there a way to remain anonymous? Um, I know you mentioned the uh, the Rain mm-hmm. program. Mm-hmm. Um, can you can you tell us more about that? Is that a phone? Is that a hotline that you call into or? It that, is a go ahead, you go. I'm sorry. That's a that's more of a, a national organization hotline, okay. and that there is some anonymity involved there. I can say uh, Centers for Children and Families has um, Christy should talk about this more of this victims assistance program, mm-hmm. and count, we have um, free counseling for people who have experienced this okay. um, it, through a government grant. Yes, it's the uh, it's called VOCA, Victim of Crime Act. Okay. And uh, anyone who has committed a crime, a violent crime, sexual sexual crime, or there, it, there's a long list of things, and they have to pay restitution, then that goes into a fund that is kicked back out uh, based on population and the number of um, assaults and, and whatever the long list is that are reported. So <clears throat> there is fun, there are fun, funds out there. Uh, to help you with these kind of things, so you contact centers. Now, it, whenever you're whenever you're going to come for counseling, it's hard to remain anonymous because we need to get you in there. But once again, we do not share your story with anyone else. We don't talk. You know, we don't it's tell completely your private. It's completely private and confidential. Our licenses are on the line. So if I were to, you know, the story we talked about, if I were to say that person's name, she could file a complaint um, sure. and have my license pulled. So it is completely safe and confidential, but um, we have therapists that this is what they do for a living. You know, we are trauma trained. Um, we're real people. We've had trauma in our own lives. Right. So sometimes, you know, we can completely connect with you on something that you're saying because we've dealt with something similar. So I just always want to tell people, therapists are not people that sit up on the throne waiting for you to come and we're going to impart knowledge on you. We're going to get in the trenches with you and we're going to connect and we're going to lead you and help you lead yourself to a healthier place. That's fantastic. Thank you, Christy. And thank you, Melanie, for coming in today again to offer some tips on how you can deal with sexual harassment and sexual assault. How can we contact you if we just need to talk to someone? Okay, you can call centers at 432-570-1084 in Midland and 432 432- 
580-7006 in Odessa. And you can always visit our website at centerstx.org. And if you would like more information about the RAIN hotline, their number is 800-656-4673. Are they 24 hours? They're 24 hours. Okay. Yes. So you can contact them anytime. Never close. With any questions you might have. And locally, of course, we have centers. Centers Solutions is a production of the Recording Library of West Texas. Post-production work is done by Bailey Hennis and Abby Wiggum. Content is provided by Melanie Size and Christy Edwards. Contact Centers for Children and Families at 432-570-1084 or the Recording Library at 432-682-2731. Email Melanie with questions you want answered on the show at msize at centerstexas.org. That's M-S-A-I-Z at C-E-N-T-E-R-S-T-X dot O-R-G. Both nonprofits are on all social media platforms. See you next time.